Hey guys, welcome back to the Queen's Christian Union podcast, Prepare to Share. We're trying to equip and encourage ourselves in everyday personal evangelism. Um, and we're back again this week with Michael Otts, um, looking this week at engaging with culture, coming off the back of um, our conversation about culture last week. Um, so welcome back, Michael. Great, Great. to be back Great again. Great to be with you. Um, yeah. Do you want to recap a little bit from from last week, what we chatted about? Yeah, so we were basically saying that we all live in a culture, uh, but we're often oblivious to it because we're surrounded by it like a goldfish in water. Sometimes we don't realise the culture we're in until we're taken out of it. And maybe if we travel, we go to a different part of the world, we suddenly realise that things that we always taken for, were taken for granted in our own situation and not taken for granted there. But it's important to think about our culture because actually our culture will affect how people engage with the Christian message. And yeah. so someone in Northern Ireland will engage in the Christian message in a very different way to someone in China or Saudi Arabia or even England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all bring our cultural background with us. And the Bible gives us lots of examples of how this unchanging good news of Jesus, the gospel, can be connected to an ever-changing culture. And we saw in the book of Acts how that was done in very different ways depending on the cultural background of the people that were being engaged. So we need to think about culture because it will help us to understand how we can show that the gospel is good news mm. to whoever we're speaking to. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so good. And uh, I think it's so important to look at culture, but a reminder that often we need to tell ourselves is that the problem for each individual is the same and that is uh, they're astray from their creator, they're in rebellion mm. against them and the gospel is the message of reconciliation to their creator through mm. the son, his son, Jesus Christ, who's provided a way. And that's what we need to remember. And I think the Bible talks so clearly. Well, G- our Lord Jesus talks so clearly in Matthew mm. chapter five about us being salt and light. And if the salt loses its taste, uh, it's going to be useless. Uh, and salt is a, is a preserver too. And that's how we can preserve what, what's mm. good in society. And I think in that context, I, I was, I was reading, uh, that the salt that this would have spoke to the readers in such a way that if the salt was contaminated or diluted by the sand it would lose its saltiness and I think it's a mm. underlying principle here as Christians that we are set apart from the world and yes we should engage in, in a manner that's that's winsome and Christ-like and gentle and caring uh, but we need to be careful not to be conformed to the way of the world but we need to be renewed mm. by uh, our minds through Jesus and uh, so that's just an underlying principle that we need to remember mm-hmm. uh, how do we engage basically how do we engage in culture without being uh, taken away by it how do we swim against the tide of culture like a strong dolphin rather than just floating <laughs> floating like a jellyfish uh, yeah. you definitely came up with that on the spot <laughs> no great. I definitely have read that I'm pretty sure I read that yeah. somewhere. But, uh, yeah so sp- how, how do we engage with this Michael um, all, all of off the back of what we chatted about last week yeah so um one of the things we need to realise is that culture, as we said, will affect how we share the gospel. Mm. And we said last week, I think even in the last 10, 20 years, culture has changed um, in um, uh, Western Europe, particularly from probably being what we might say post-Christian. You know, people have some understanding of the Christian faith and maybe have reacted against it. And that was where new atheism became really popular mm. to, to increasingly just a kind of secular non-Christian world where people are not thinking about Christianity at all yeah. and aren't probably so much ag- atheistic and hostile to Christianity. They're probably just more agnostic and apathetic towards Christianity. Yeah. They don't see its relevance to, to life. Mm. 
And the challenge, therefore, is how do we engage people who are in that situation who just look at Christianity and think, blah, I'm not bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be engaged by the kind of traditional questions about God because they're just not thinking about God and they don't see any relevance um, to the question of God. Um, I think the best way to answer the question is probably to give you an example. Um, a few years ago, I was speaking at a Christian Union event in, in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And Denmark, back then, even a few years ago, was was one of the most secularized countries in Europe. So I think it was kind of ahead of the game in terms of secularization. And so what I found in Denmark and what's now happening increasingly here is just this kind of apathy towards kind of God questions. And I'd done this talk on the resurrection of Jesus at a mission event. And afterwards I was going around the tables chatting to people and there's a group of people around one table. And I said to them, what do you think of the talk? And this girl looks at me and she goes, I'm just not really interested in God. Which is a bit discouraging because, like, you know, I've just tried to spend half an hour explaining yeah. why this is really, really important. And she's like, I'm just not interested. So I then said to her, well, what are you interested in? Because I've discovered that even if people are not interested in God, everybody's interested in something and no one's interested in nothing. Like, they'd be a very boring person if they have no interests whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, what is um, interesting to you? Sometimes they ask people the question, well, what are your beliefs and values? Yeah. Um, if you ask people what their beliefs are, it's too easy for them to say, I don't have any, even though they do. Mm-hmm. But if you say, what are your beliefs and values, then people often say something because like, you know, everyone has something to say. So I said, well, what is important to you? In other words, what are your beliefs and values? And she said, well, I think the most important thing is love. I think that's what we need um, to, to really hold on to. Mm-hmm. And so I, thought, I said, well, that's very, very interesting. And then I said to her, how would you define love? And she thought for a moment, she was like, well, love, it's, um, it's, uh, some, um, I don't know, she said. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm not trying to be clever. I said, look, just, you know, if love is the most important thing, then, you know, it'd be helpful to know what love actually is. Yeah. And, and she thought for a bit more and she's like, well, I'm not sure. And then I said to her, can I give you a definition of love? And she said, um, yeah. So I said, okay, well, love, it's a chemical reaction that evolved in our brains to make us attracted to people normally of the opposite sex so that we reproduce and pass on our DNA. And maybe because her boyfriend was sitting next to her, she looked at me and she was like, that is not love. (laughs) And I was like, well, I don't think it is either, but can you tell me why you think love is more than that? Hmm. And she thought for a moment and she said, she said, no. I said, because actually, if there is no God and we are just the result of an evolutionary process, it's kind of hard to explain why it's more than that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's all it ever has been. Why should we suddenly think that as human beings, we've evolved this greater meaning of love other than just the need to reproduce? Yeah. And she says, yeah, I, I can't answer that. She says, but I think it is more than that. And then she said to me, she said, but what do you think love is? And I said, well, actually, I think it has a lot to do with God. And she says, well, how come? And I said, well, because the Bible says God is love. Mm. And and actually, the most fundamental thing we can say about God is that he is a loving relationship. And he created us in his image. So if the most important thing about God is that God is love, then the most important thing about what it means to be humans is that we are to, to, to love and be loved. Yeah. It's what you know, life is all about. You know, the Beatles were more right than they realized. Like, all we need <laughs> is love. Yeah. And then she asked the question, she said, well, if, if it's all about love, why is it so hard to find? Which is an amazing question, because actually the Bible also talks about that, doesn't it? It says, well, actually, something's gone wrong. You know, we're created by this loving God, but we're cut off from him because we've turned our back on him and we're created to love others. And yet so often we don't love others and they don't often love us. And that's why actually the Christian faith is all about reconciliation. It's being brought back to the God of love. It's being mm. enabled to love as he has loved us and so on. 
So we had this amazing conversation. But I think what happened in that is she started thinking, I'm not interested in God because she couldn't see the relevance of God to what she really cared about. Yeah. And and what what we did was to say, number one, okay, let's start with what you do care about, not what you don't care about. Find out. Now, for some people, it may not be love. It might be justice. It might be equality. It might be Black Lives Matter. It might be the environment. It might... but people care about stuff and yeah. and we live in a society that increasingly gets really passionate about stuff as we've yeah. seen this year and then the next question is to say well why is that the case now most people are functional atheists what i mean by that is they may not call themselves an atheist but their worldview doesn't really bring god into it they yeah. just think well we're just the a bunch of atoms that came about by chance as a result of a process called evolution and the question is how do you account for all these things that are so important you know how do we account for equality if you know it's quite clear from evolution that some people are stronger than others. Yeah. Why do we think that the weak and vulnerable matter if, you know, ultimately the strong are the ones that survive and so on? Get people to see the inadequacy of their own worldview. And there was a philosopher called Francis Schaeffer, and he called this taking the roof off someone's position. <laughs> you know, it's like we live in our little house of our belief system and we feel really comfortable and we need to have the roof taken off and to be exposed to the rain and the wind of reality. Yeah. And then once people see that, they might be more like, okay, well, is there a system, a, a way of thinking that makes sense of, of the things that seem really important in life? Mm. And, and wherever we start, we want to take people to Jesus. We want to show people the inadequacy of their worldview and then show people how Jesus and the Christian faith makes better sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really love that. Uh, sort of, I suppose it is a methodology of, of seeing, showing them their own presuppositions that they're mm -hmm. bringing to mm -hmm. this question, their own uh, already you know, what they believe to be true of this world and mm. show it how it's incompatible with how they live almost. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone, I, I don't know a single person who doesn't think love mm. is almost one of the most important things in life. Yeah. Mm. But like you said, if we are, if, if love is just a chemical reaction of a few molecules banging against each other in our head, mm. it really is pointless. Yeah. Uh, mm. And I had a conversation with a, a couple that I'm really good friends with and they're a great, great couple and they really, really love each other. And I said, I did it, Michael, you reminded me actually of, of what I did. And I just said, look, you know, this love isn't just a chemical reaction. You know, deep down that this is something special. And it, and it is special. If you look at the Bible, it's clear that yeah. especially mm. a love for a couple has for each other. It's being set apart by God. Uh, mm. And yeah, I, I think going into engaging with culture more so, uh, I think one thing that Christians need to be known for is our demeanor and how we do so if you mm. look at culture now especially mm. with cancel culture if you say one thing mm. you're shunned you're either a bigot or you're a, mm. a whatever a transphobe or whatever mm. the slurs being thrown about uh, but it's in titus chapter three when when paul describes how, mm. how christians are to be known i, I love it uh, it's we need to be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And I think that's the, that's I think that what the world will find so unbelievable about us is how, mm. this is how it should find, we should, they should find that we are so inclusive and so gentle and so caring mm. and uh, so Christ-like in how we deal with them, but at the same time carry a message that is hard-hitting and it mm. is convicting. It is showing them that, they are they are sinners in need of in need of a savior, uh, mm. and that's that's what we need to remember as Christians that we are simultaneously justified before God. We are loved for and cared for by Him in Christ, but we are sinners, so we should have compassion on those who are lost, even if they are 
throwing all the slags of the day at us. We still have to love and care for them and be mm. kind to them because that's what we're called to be. Yeah. And to give one example of that, that really moved me, I was speaking at a, a Christian union a couple of years ago during their events week. Mm. And I'd done a talk and at the end of the talk, a girl came up to me and said, um, can I talk to you what the Bible says about sexuality? Yeah. And so we ended up having a conversation. She was part of the LGBT um, society and um, she obviously had um, some really big questions and issues with you know a traditional christian understanding yeah. of, of sexuality and we had a you know helpful chat and then we got chatting just more generally afterwards and um i said you know you know how did you end up coming along to the the christian union yeah. and she explained that when she came to university she had such a hostile view of christians that she had almost asked the christian the, the university to not put her in a hall of residence with someone who's a christian she literally wow. felt threatened um, by the very thought of being yeah. in connection with someone who's a Christian. Um, but she didn't. And of course, the irony <laughs> of iron is, who's her next door neighbour in the halls of residence in her first year? It's actually one of the members of the CU exec. So she gets to know this Christian. And actually through this friendship that grew, um, all of these preconceptions and these preconceived ideas that she had about Christianity and Christians started to get stripped away. And she experienced mm. love and welcome and friendship. And then this Christian union member invited her to come along to the Christian union. And she found this whole community that were really welcoming and loving and caring. And so she really enjoyed going. And, and she said to me, when I told the other members of the LGBT society that I was going to the Christian union, not only did they tell me I shouldn't go, um, but actually a lot of people rejected me because, for, because, of, because I was going, even though I, I wasn't a Christian, I was just going to yeah. look into it. And she said, but I actually found that this is the most loving and accepting community um, on the campus. And so she came against all of her preconceptions because of that experience of love, welcome, friendship that she had experienced from that Christian. The last day of the week, she still hadn't become a Christian, but we'd taught lots about the Christian faith. And I said, can I I pray for you? Um, And at first she was a little bit hesitant, but I said, you know, but I didn't put the pressure on, but I just said, look, I'd love to pray for you. I could, I could pray for you when I get home. Yeah. Um, or I could pray for you now if you want. And she's like, okay, no, you can pray for me now. And, and we just sat and I prayed for her. And, and when I looked up, um, there were tears in her eyes. And she mm-hmm. said, that's the most moving thing that I've ever experienced. And yeah. I thought, isn't that amazing? Here's someone who had, you know, not only no intention of coming to the Christian union, but every intention of avoiding Christians. Yeah. Uh, but through love and welcome and friendship, those barriers are broken down. And then she saw how, how Jesus made better sense of, of the things that really mattered. And I thought it's just a great testament yeah, for how bad. Christians can be in a culture which can sometimes be quite hostile, yeah. an amazing witness. That is powerful. Uh, and I, I find personally, especially in Northern Ireland, it's very easy when mm. we think of being salt and light. We sometimes run the politics and we look mm. at the... Uh, political landscape especially in Northern Ireland with the new laws mm. that have just passed and it's so easy for us to despair and then put mm. our hope in politicians fixing it but that shouldn't be how, how mm. we carry ourselves in in our walk uh, mm. we are to be salt and light in how we live uh, where our lives should show people Christ uh, not only in in love and kindness but also in impurity and holiness and yeah. uh, God has ordained it in such a manner. I think it's clear from that salt passage. I and mean, when salt, when we lose our saltiness, when we lose our, our how set apart we are by God, mm. uh, we aren't as effective. So in some ways, God has ordained that the holier and the more Christ-like we are, the greater influence we're going to have, and mm. the greater influence us Christians are going to have on campus when we are completely different to people 
in, in a sense we have different desires and different tastes but at the same time we love and care for them and we show them Christ and how gentle and kind we are to them and I love that story I just love the fact that uh, how gentle Jesus is with, with sinners mm. who, who come to him broken mm. uh, like the woman at the well and uh, that's that's the incredible thing about the gospel message it is it, it is probably the most exclusive message but at the same time we have to be the most inclusive people we have to be bold in how we proclaim the gospel saying Jesus is the only way mm. uh, but at the same time we have to be so kind and like Jesus was a friend of sinners mm. and he was accused of being kind to those people who everyone despised mm. and we should Christians should be the ones who aren't haughty and we're commanded in the Bible to look for those who people look over and ignore mm. we're commanded to go out and be kind and and, and love them and that's a challenge like I'm speaking this into the podcast and I'm <laughs> feeling convicted myself uh, but I love that Michael uh, and I love like I don't know sometimes we think about engaging with culture and mm-hmm. and about how a lot of a lot of the time you see in churches as well like we want to be so relevant that we want people to to look at us and think oh you know that's cool mm. you know that's something that I want to go along to and um and that attracts us and we, we think those things could be just the flashy lights and, and the cool music and stuff but actually like you're saying it, it's that uh, that idea of people have, have these ideas that they want love and they want freedom mm-hmm. um, and they're not getting that in the world mm-hmm. um, and actually what really attracts people mm-hmm. like you're saying I think is is it's those real things that we mm-hmm. find in, in Jesus um, mm-hmm. yeah you're so right John and you, you say that with, with churches that become so like the world, they're not saying anything different to it. There are the churches that are empty and, and no one's going to because people want to hear mm-hmm. something different. They hunger for the gospel. It is in their hearts. They, they long to be reconciled to their creator. And mm-hmm. that's it, Johnny. We have to make sure that we are different and we are preaching the message that was proclaimed in the, in the Bible and is being shown to us in the Bible uh, mm-hmm. and not be tempted. The way we reach culture is not by just becoming like culture, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just speaking into that, we talk a lot about culture wars these days, yeah. uh, which is often seen as a kind of political war between the, the left and the right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that becomes increasingly hostile and heated. And the danger in a culture where there's culture wars is that we look like we're just taking a particular side in the culture wars. And mm-hmm. um, we've got to go left, we've got to go right. And, and you can see how sometimes Christians can do that. They either jump on a kind of progressive bandwagon and they just want to kind of say the same as everyone else is saying on the far left yeah. or they react against that and and they give the impression that they're some kind of like far right fascist yeah. and what we need to remember as Christians is that Christianity is neither left nor right it's countercultural, yeah. and it speaks differently into these culture wars than simply taking sides and so we want to speak into these things whether it's you know issues of equality whether it's Black Lives Matter whether it's um, whatever the issue is mm-hmm. but remember that actually the gospel it's not left or right. It's it's another way. Yeah. Um, and to show people that actually it's a better way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That embraces these concerns, um, but maybe in a, a kind of subversive way, yeah. in a way that people don't always expect. And you talk about cancel culture. Often, what it will mean is that we can identify with certain things that people are saying, but also we want to challenge it. You know, the fact that we live in a culture where we recognise that some things are wrong. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's a legacy yeah. of the Christian faith. You know, it's wrong to be racist. It's wrong to do that. But to live in a culture where there's no forgiveness, uh, where there's no opportunity of redemption, yeah. is a horrible place to be. Mm. Yeah. So we want to live in a culture where the gospel says, yeah, Absolutely. we've all messed up. And we're not just pointing the finger, but also there's forgiveness, there's a fresh start. And that should make a very different kind yeah. of 
society. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, I just, yeah, go on and remind you guys on the podcast just that um, back at the start of that story you're talking about mm. that chatting to someone and, and asking them, you know, people might say to you that they don't have any interest in hearing about God, mm. um, but there's that idea of how we can engage with them on mm. where they're at, um, that they have mm. something that they believe in, they have something they want, mm. um, and just the nature of us as human beings that mm. that's going to come back to the yeah. gospel yeah. Back yeah. To Jesus. absolutely and, and and our issue in all things in life is our not being like christ and not being mm-hmm. like jesus as we should be especially in our mm-hmm. witness uh, and that should challenge us as well uh, yeah yeah i think we're we're heading towards the the 20 minute mark and um yeah, Michael's heading on down to, to do a talk for us at CU now <laughs> as well, which, um, again, I'm really looking forward to. Um, we're definitely making the most of having Michael here. Um, but that was brilliant. Thank you. Um, for thanks. It's been great to be with you. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>